Well, we talked a little bit about fear a few weeks ago when we talked about anxiety. And we talked about how those two things, fear and anxiety, are different. Anxiety is a sense of apprehension often as a response of an imprecise or an unknown threat. You're worried about something that might happen. You're not even sure, sure maybe even what it necessarily is. But fear is an emotional response to a known or a definite threat. And that's the hard problem we're going to talk about today, fear. Now, fear is very popular right now. Why? Because it's an election year, right? Fear is very popular. We all know that politics are very divisive. Politics are so divisive because fear is so divisive. Are you guys ready to be nervous about what I'm going to say? Hey, come on. I remember when President Obama got elected, there were people that literally said, it's all over. The tribulation is here. It's the end times. The world is going to burn down. Fear was at a high level. I remember when President Trump got elected. Very similar thing happened. World War III is going to happen. People canceled their college classes. The world was going to burn down. Fear was at a high level. Now, why does this happen? Well, it happens because you can raise a lot of money by peddling in fear. If this person wins, then this will happen. They're going to take away your guns. They're going to take away your religious liberty. Or they're bigots. They're racist. They're going to set us back 50 years. Just donate to the Democrats to avoid the world from blowing up. Just donate to the Republicans to stop the world from blowing up. I literally got an email as I was preparing this sermon from a candidate that's running for office that accused their political rivals of being liars and phonies and scam artists, and they're ruining our country, but I will stop them. Just donate below. <laughs> the bottom line is we fear loss, right? We fear the loss of control. We fear the loss of opportunity. We fear the loss of our culture and who we are. We fear the loss of progress and the loss of a bright future. Now, white people, <laughs> you guys ready to get real nervous? White people fear what might happen to us, whereas people of color fear what already has happened to them and whether or not it's going to happen again. And if we aren't careful, we allow ourselves to be controlled by fear. It's so very easy. But we know that fear makes us irrational, right? Have you ever slapped somebody because they startled you, right? They come around a corner and, whoa, it just happens. Why? Because we have an instinct to protect ourselves. Now, fear works as a great motivator on social media as well. A Time article in uh, April 2019 talked about how since 2014, troll farms have been set up in other countries where people are paid to make fake social media accounts and these people's only job is to spread false and disparaging messages on social media in order to divide people with fear. And you would think that they would uh, only take one side of the argument on these divisive topics like gun control or abortion. But evidence shows that they spend millions of dollars on both sides of these arguments. Why? Abraham Lincoln told us why. A house divided cannot stand. Fear is always a great tool of the enemy. 
Why is our culture so divided? It's because of fear. Why are our churches so divided? Because of fear. The fear of loss, the loss of control, the loss of something we used to have, the loss of opportunity in the future. So what do we do about this heart problem of fear? Is it okay to live and be motivated to act based on fear? Well, let's see what the Bible says. In first, uh, excuse me, Second Corinthians, uh, blah, blah, blah. Second Timothy 1.7. Let's see what that says. It says, for God gave us a spirit. Awesome, right? God helped us. He didn't leave us alone. He wanted to give us a spirit. What kind of spirit? It says, God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. In this letter, Paul had written to Timothy, who was a young preacher. He told him, you've been given gifts. God's going to do great things with you. Uh, People are going to say you're too young, Timothy. And I'm sure you might be afraid of persecution. But you're not given the spirit of fear. Your inner dialogue might bring up all these reasons why you should be afraid, but God is not in that feeling of fear. Instead, God promises you, through Christ, a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of self-control. When you talk to Christians today, is that the spirit that you get from them? Power, love, self-control. When you leave a conversation with a fellow Christian, do you get the impression that they understand the power to overcome that has been promised by their God? Do you leave that conversation believing that they understand that God has promised them a supernatural gift to be able to love people that maybe are unlovable? When you read your Christian social Uh, Christian friends' social media posts, are you taken aback by how much self-control they have? There's something supernatural about their self-control. No, right? Or do you see them instead impulsively share something before they check to see it's true just because it defends their argument? Or do you often see them share things like, Jesus will be sad if you don't share this post? Oh my. What kind of superstition do we mix in with our walk with God? Or maybe you see them mischaracterize the other side of an argument just to win it. Well, mischaracterization is lying. How often are we motivated by fear instead of faith? The Bible says fear not hundreds of times in God's word. How's that working out for y'all? What's wrong with us? How can we fix this heart problem of fear? Louis Giglio gives us four steps. The first one is this. We remind ourselves that God is able. When you are afraid, you remind yourself that God is able. God is in control. God knows exactly where you are right now. God sees the news. Nothing surprises God. He knows uh, what happened a billion years in the past. He knows what's going to happen a billion years in the future. And God is God, and there is no other God before him. You can trust him. Matthew 6, 25 says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what we will put on. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. Take time. Stop. Look around you. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor they reap. They don't have savings accounts, 401ks. They don't gather into barns, yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not of more value? Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? In fact, it's probably the opposite, right? We're probably killing ourselves with worry. And why are you anxious about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Or what will happen if this candidate gets elected? Or what happens if this bill passes? Or what happens if my, I don't get the raise that I want? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But instead, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. God takes care of the birds. Can he take care of you? I was in a particularly fearful time in my life about four years ago, and uh, the place I was working had a, a big, large piece of land, and there was a trail through uh, this forest, and uh, I was, my intent was to go out there to walk and pray, but it was hard for me to get past the fear part to actually get to the pray part. And I was kind of in a daze a little bit, and I remember sitting down on this bench out there in the woods, and my head was hung low, and I was in a place of desperation, a place of despair. But as I looked down in my daze, I noticed the forest floor was full of movement and action. And you could see ants heading in all different directions, carrying leaves and sticks and beetles going off in their uh, own plans, who knows where. And even though I wasn't able to speak to God out of my fear, God still spoke to me and spoke to my heart and told me, I know where every single ant on this planet is going. I know every beetle and what their plans are. And you don't think that I see you right now. You don't think that I know what's going on. And God spoke to me. God broke through my fears and reminded me that he is able and that he is in control and that I can trust him. Secondly, we set the Lord before us. Psalm 16 was written by the shepherd boy, David, who would become king. In verse 8, it says, I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. How was this shepherd boy David able to face this giant Goliath? Because his faith was bigger than his fear. His God was bigger than his problem. So he set his sights on God and he ran right at his problem. The giant was bigger than David, but God was bigger than the giant. And too often, we magnify our problems and minimize our God. But that's backwards. We need to 
magnify our God and minimize our problems and put things in perspective. That the God that made the universe, the God that designed every cell and every microbe and every germ and every atom, that same God knows where you're at and nothing surprises him. Set your sights on this God that sees you. Make him your true north. Psalms 34.4 says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and he delivered me from all my fear. So when we are in our fear and our heart problems of fear creep in, we remember that God is able. We set our sights on God and then we name our fears. Talk through your fears with God. Be specific. God, I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my house if I don't have a breakthrough. God, my marriage, I feel like it's going to fall apart. God, I'm looking at my kids and I'm worried that they're going down the wrong path. Not just now I lay me down to sleep. No, we be specific about our problems and we take them to the God that cares. We talk about our fear with God and be specific. Psalms is full of lists of fears of David and other men of God. Where they said things like, my enemies are surrounding me. I don't know how I'm ever going to get out of this pit. My tears are my only food. I'm drowning in despair. People are laying traps for me. And I don't know how I'm going to get out of this. David names his fear in Psalms 56.1. He says, be gracious to me, O God. For man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. He doesn't come to God with this air that he's got everything figured out. No, he's specific about how he feels and what he's going through. Then he says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? David admits why he's afraid, but he remembers that God is able and he can trust God. And lastly, we fill our mouths with praise. See, when we magnify our God with praise, our fear fades into the distance. When we magnify our God with praise, our fear fades into the distance. Louis Giglio says the antidote to fear is faith. And the soundtrack to faith is worship. Worship and worry cannot occupy the same space. It can't. It's impossible. You can't worry and worship at the same time. This week I had some things that I was afraid of and some things that I was praying about. And I was walking. I don't have a forest to walk to anymore. So I walk around in this gym and pray. But it's good. It works. Because I can't sit still and pray. But I was, I was praying about some things, and God brought some songs up in my heart that I haven't sung in years. They're songs that were uh, songs that I sung as like a young child. You might know it. Lord, you are more precious than silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds, and nothing I desire compares with you. As the deer panteth for 
the water so my soul longeth after thee you alone are my heart's desire and i long to worship thee fear and worship cannot occupy the same space god is able Praise reminds us how big our God is. We just read that. He said in Psalms 56, 3, he says, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise. In God, I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? How can we fix this heart problem of fear? We remember that God is able We set our sights on God. We make him our true north. We remember who is in charge and how this whole thing works. We name our fears. We're specific about what we're going through. We don't hide things from God. He he sees it anyway. He knows what we're going through. Just pour it out. And then we fill our mouth with praise. And we praise before the victory comes. Why? Because we know our God is able. And we might not always know how that victory is going to come. Sometimes he uh, lets us part the water, right? Sometimes he lets us walk in the water or on the water. We don't know how God is going to bring that victory. But if we are focusing on God and realizing that he is able. We can praise God today for what he's going to do tomorrow because even if it's in death, we still one day get to be with him. And there is no sting of grave. You probably all remember a time when you got separated from one of your parents, maybe in a store or somewhere else, and you looked around as a young child and you realized that they were gone and that fear and that shock, you know, sunk in your heart. If you grew up as a Christian, you might have been worried the rapture came, right? I, I was left behind. Kirk Cameron, what'd you do to me? A fear overcame you, right? You cried out for your mom and still nothing. And you began to give up hope. I'm never going to see him again. I'm lost forever. I'm going to have to live in the jungle somewhere with a loincloth and swing from vines or something. But then you hear her calling your name. She wasn't far. She knew where you were. She was just around the corner. She was keeping her eyes on you. She might have been talking to somebody else or something else was going on. She was trying to find your little brother, your little sister. She knew right where you were the whole time. So she called to you so that you could be aware of her presence and to know that you were not alone and that you didn't need to fear. See, when that heart problem of fear creeps in, And we remember that it is not from God because God has not given us the spirit of fear. And when we're beginning to buy into all those narratives that our culture is pushing, that all is lost and only they can save us, when it feels like you're lost and all alone, God is calling you to be aware of his presence, to focus on him, to listen for his voice, to fear not, to remember that he is able to set our sights on him and to be specific and to call out and spend time in prayer and to praise through our problems and fill our mouth with praise. When I am afraid, I put my trust.
every head bowed and every eyes closed. Worship bands coming now, and we'll head into a time of reflection and meditation and prayer. This is a time when we participate and we ask God to show us where we can change and what needs to be different. Maybe the prayer for you today is, God, how have I been motivated by fear? How have I looked out on the landscape of my life and what's going on? And fear overcame my faith. And I made my God small and my problems big. It's not how God has intended you as a follower of Christ to live. This heart problem of fear will hurt you. It'll hurt your relationships. It'll hurt your walk with God. You've got to root it out. Because God's not in that spirit. Instead, he gave us a spirit of power, of love, and of self-control. And that's what we ought to show to this community that we live in. When things are bad in Clarksburg, we're the first person to be afraid. We're the first person to have faith that God can do something big. Take some time to pray this morning. They're going to play quietly. Ask God where he wants you to change and what he could take from your life and how he could increase your faith and to show you where that fear is. Why don't you just pray right now? Search me, oh God. Search my heart. See if there's any wicked way in me. See if there's any fear that is motivating my actions. Right now. Altar's open if you want to come.